0: Thank you, friends. If you didn't pick up on it, um, you know, we will be addressing just another way to get engaged in community. All the things we just mentioned are perfect. Very low bar, very easy. Just come. You don't even have to plan anything. Just come and be there. Put a smile on and say hi to someone you don't know. It's a great way to begin to to connect with someone. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Uh, again, if we haven't met, my name is Dave Maxey. I am uh, one of the staff here at Trinity, have the, the privilege of uh, seeing, overseeing kind of our operations, and, and one of the worship leaders, and just engaged here in the life of Trinity. Welcome this morning. Glad that you were able to join us. If you're joining us online, big welcome to you as well. We are starting to land the plane in our topical series through the book of Titus and we've got just a few more weeks. We will be in chapter 3 today. We'll get there in just a moment, so feel free to turn there uh, and and prep for that. As we begin, though, uh, again, our series uh, called Exiles. We've been looking at the book of Titus. We've been using the topics that Titus covers and kind of jumping off of those uh, and really diving deep into those specific areas. So Before we begin and we kind of get there, I want to start first with a question. The question is this, have you ever forgotten something important? If you have, raise your hand. I think that is most all of us. Some of you forgot to raise your hand right now just a minute ago. So now you can raise your hand. We're all all doing really good. Uh, maybe you forgot to pay the bills or you forgot something, maybe a, an important date or a meeting that you had to be to. Uh, you know, today is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Bethany. Uh, you might have forgot an you know, important date like a birthday or an anniversary, which is also coming up next week for my wife and I. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes forget things. Uh, I found an interesting study from GetPixie.com, and here's what they found out. There are six things that rise to the top of the list that Americans often forget where they place them. In other words, they lose them because they forgot where they placed them. Number six on that list is our wallets or our purses. Number five on that list are our shoes. Now, I don't know about you, I rarely lose my shoes. I typically lose just one of them, and they're floating around somewhere, right, if they're in the pile or whatever. Uh, Number four on this list are glasses. If I lost my glasses, I'd be stumbling around. I don't know about you, that happens. Uh, Number three would be keys, and that could be car keys or a house key or something like that. Number two are our phones, uh, I'm the type of person, if I left my phone, I'm turning around and I'm going home to get it. I don't care how late I am, I just, uh, I need counseling, I think, in that area. The number one thing that Americans often forget where they place them, anyone have a guess? Just shout it out. That was, it, man, you guys forget a lot of stuff. Uh, that, uh, anyone over here, shout it out. Number one thing, what do you think it might be? Remote, remote control. That just happened in my family last night. So we're probably pretty close to buying the third remote control uh, that we need to have for our Amazon Fire Stick. So interesting enough, check this out. Forgetfulness or forgetting where you place something has an impact on life as well. This was an astounding fact to me. $2.7 billion a year is what we spend as Americans replacing the things that we've lost. Isn't that incredible? Also, uh, they did kind of a little study, the same study discovered that more than 60 hours a year are spent trying to find those very same things that we lost, collectively. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes losing something or forgetting something, I would say, maybe we forget something really small, it can actually have a little bit bigger of a life impact. Uh, I remember when uh, we were younger, my family and I moved up to Tawas City on the, the upper uh, eastern side of, of Michigan on Lake Huron, and uh, it was kind of a new house, like you do when you're kids. You get into the house, and it's, it's like, all right, I'm going to claim my bedroom. I was able to go in my brand new bedroom at that time, opened up the closet much bigger than the previous house, and I looked down at the floor, and there was like a, a little hatch thing on the floor. I opened it up, and I could see down through the floor. It was a clothes hamper, uh, you know, one of these magical things. You put clothes down there, and then they just show up clean and your, you know, elsewhere, know how that works. Um, but I began to open up the clothes hamper and I, the clothes hatch and I looked down there and I could see my dad in the basement area. And he was kind of working on the hot water heater. No one else was around. He he didn't know that I'd discovered this new, you know, hole to look kind of through at him. And so he was doing his thing. He had a box of matches. He took him and kind of put them behind him. And then he's, you know, toying around with the hot water heater, turning knobs, and then he's he's trying to find the matches. Now, from my perspective, I could see that he had the matches almost dead center behind him. And if you ever done one of these things where you know it's behind you, you look this way, you can't find it, you look that way, you can't find it. Well, he he did one of those things, right? Uh, he's looking, trying to find the matches. Eventually, he got a hand on it and uh, got the matches around. And, and his back is facing me. He lights the match. And from my perspective, I just see a great big ball of fire, right? Instantly, boom. Uh, and he turns around, just kind of look, and his eyebrows are basically gone. <clears throat> he had a kind of a beard and a mustache and it all kind of singed. And uh, and it's interesting how forgetting just kind of a, a small little thing like turn the gas off while you're finding the matches uh, can actually have kind of a, a life impact, right? We're, we're imperfect people, and sometimes we just forget things. Sometimes we're just prone to do exactly that. And uh, I love this, this beginning in Titus chapter 3 because Paul is addressing the idea that there are things that we need to remember. There are things that we should not forget, And he begins right here as we look at Titus chapter 3, right in the very, very first verse. uh, There are two words that he uses, and he says this Titus 3, verse 1 Remind them. Remind them. Now, it's a simple enough phrase. Uh, When Paul is talking about them, keep in mind he's talking to the church, uh, ultimately talking to you and I. Titus was a a minister with Paul in ministry, and so Titus was leading uh, the church at that time. And so this is the reminder, remind the church... Remind them now. Something about this simple, simple phrase. A couple weeks ago, my, my wife was uh, able to go away for a couple days, and when she left, so don't forget about these things. You know, you got kind of a little honey-do list. Maybe you've had a significant other leave, or maybe your parents, and you walk out the door and you say, "Hey, kids, don't forget." She kind of gave me the remind list. How many of you know, uh, you know, things like there's this, there's this box in the kitchen and like when you, when you open it, you can put dishes on the inside and hit some buttons and they, they come out clean. I'm like if you've never seen that, Dave, like these are things that you're going to need to use. Uh, well, I am gone. I mean, you know if she came back and I said, hey, I remember everything on the list, but I didn't do anything on the list, it would be a slightly different conversation, right? So... Get that weight for a minute because this is what's happening. Paul is is not saying to Titus, hey, make sure the people know up here. He's saying remind them, but remind them to do. There are things that, that he's saying that we shouldn't just know collectively, like in our heads, there are things that as the body of Christ, we should do. Now, we won't deep dive in every one of these things, but we will cover, if you, if you scan through Titus chapter 3, you'll see things like, remind them to be submissive to their authorities, to be obedient, to use words that sow life and not evil. Remind them to be kind to one another, to be gentle and to to be polite. Isn't that interesting in our world today? Remind them not to argue about everything and anything. These are the types of things that that Paul is reminding you and I here today that we, we should not forget. And uh, it's interesting, though, just kind of we'll go a little bit bigger picture. Paul actually groups all of these things in one big bucket, and he mentions this bucket three times. We'll see the first mention of that in Titus 3. We'll look at verse 1, the, the entirety of verse 1. And he says this, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and then here it is, to be ready for every good work. To be ready for every good work. We can jump down to verse 8. And he goes on to say, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to, here it is again, devote themselves to good works. We'll jump down one more time if we look at verse 14 in Titus 3. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So we could group all of the, the things that, that are kind of deep divin, or deep, whatever that word is, like the deep dive onto these subjects. We can group them all in the bucket of these are good works. These are devoted to good works. This is the invitation, the call, the reminder that all of these things fall into the category that we are to, to do good works. And when I say we, there's kind of this idea of like, okay, remind them. Why are we re- being reminded of these things? And I think it would be clear as this, that we could say because the church, the body of Christ, we represent the king and his kingdom and his rule and his reign. Pastor Marvin talked about that a couple weeks ago. Rather than sitting on our own throne, the reminder here is actually, no, we, we should let the Lord be the Lord of our life. And with that, you and I, as part of his sons and his daughters, as, as part of his kingdom and his rule and reign in submission to that, we actually represent the kingdom of God in this world. And you and I, in this this call here, is that that we are really, we could say it like this: we are kingdom ambassadors. And the question would be: who do you represent this morning? Who do I represent this morning? You know, as part of a, a kingdom ambassadors representing the king upon this earth, when we make a mark on this world, it should look like Jesus and nothing else because we do good works. Now, make no mistake. This is not always easy. Even as we just read in the text, this is something that we can easily forget, uh, even if we are reminded and we know and we understand there are just times where, you know, it's just kind of hard sometimes to do the right thing. It's hard sometimes to, to go what is really very, very countercultural. if we kind of looked at that list. There are many things in that list that are just the opposite. In a world where we live, the, the idea that, well, there is no, no real truth. Your truth is my truth. Uh, your truth does not have to be my truth. Your truth could be something completely different. To be countercultural to that, to be a... light in darkness is not always easy. It's easy to forget. It's easy to shy back. It's easy not to have boldness. It's easy to choose to sit on our own throne sometimes, uh, then allow the Lord to sit on that very same throne. You know, I always refer to uh, the year 1994 in, in the summer going into that year as the summer of Dave. Into the, the reason I refer to that as the Summer of Dave is there was a lot of different things that happened that summer. One of them, namely, you, I talk a lot about my wife, this message, but uh, you know this is the year that, that she and I met. We're high school sweethearts, uh, 24-year anniversary coming up next weekend, and that was a significant thing that happened in the Summer of Dave. Uh, a few other things that happened that uh, particular summer was I began to to realize God's pull on my life and also that I, that I had the ability to choose some things, that I had, I had a little freedom that was happening in those early years. And, and I began kind of 14, 15, 16, and then leading into the summer, I was learning acoustic guitar, and I was leading a little bit in worship and in youth group, and I had met a friend, uh, and he was just a little bit older than I, and he and I began to play together, and we began kind of singing songs and leading the, the small youth group at the church I was attending together at that time. Until I learned um, just not, not too long after that, as we had a friendship, we went into his store, we came out of the store, and he came out with things that he had shoplifted. And in that moment, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, I was kind of torn, because on one hand, like, I I know better than that. Like, I know my identity as a a son of the Most High. Like, I know that's not what I was supposed to do. On the other hand, the the mind of young Dave kind of also thought, like, wow, I could leave worship and, like, like, grab some things I want too, Isn't that interesting? And there were a few things that I did in the summer of Dave in the early summer where I began to make those decisions, and, and I realized that uh, my new friend just really had uh, a desire to take a lot of things, and we would go into different stores, and I began to, to do this with him. Now, everybody say this, 29 years. All right, that was 29 years ago. I want to clarify that before you start thinking, man, what kind of staff do they hire at this church, right? Okay. 1994, let's be clear, Uh, but at that moment, I began to go into stores uh, with my friend and realize, hey, you know, if we distract people just the right way, we could come out with some cool stuff, and we began to practice this for a handful of weeks, maybe maybe even a month or or so, uh, and lifted quite a bit of things, and then uh, until one particular day, we were in a department store uh, in the Mount Pleasant area in Michigan. We went into that store, and uh, we began walking around, and there was this CD that I really wanted to get my hands on, and I actually picked it up, and, and uh, my friend was kind of doing what he would normally do, and he was, he was grabbing things and, and kind of stuffing them in pockets. And, and as I picked this up, this, was, this is one of the, the times in my early younger years where I remember the voice of God being super clear. It wasn't audible, but it was just such impressed upon my heart that it kind of froze me in my place. I'm looking at the CD, and I just sensed the Spirit of God say, if you take it this time, it will not be like all the others and it kind of paused me for a minute and, and uh, kind of shook me up out of the ridiculousness of the, the decisions I was making and I thought wow what am I, you know, what am I doing and I began to, to look around and see Eric was just kind of my friend we, we, he was just doing what he was doing right and, and, uh, and I kind of whispered said, hey hey, man like we, I, I think we should not be doing this like I, I don't think this is going to go smooth as what it would have don't worry about it don't worry about it he kind of did his thing And uh, that continued to happen for several minutes. Everything was good. I decided, you know what, I I just couldn't shake this feeling. I couldn't shake what I knew was the voice of God. I just put the CD down and decided not to take it. We continued to walk out the store. as As we got through the first double doors, two plainclothes officers stepped in front of us, flashed their badges, and told me to keep walking. And they stopped him. And the trajectory of both of our lives went in different directions at that moment. And I began to realize, wow, like the level of grace that God had extended me in that moment. I was actually living out of the identity that was not given to be my, 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 my king, but yet he, he pursued me, and, and I was not being a light in darkness in any way, shape, or form. The other interesting thing about that story is the plainclothes officers that stepped in front of us, they were in the same space that we were. They were dressed pretty much like we were. You probably couldn't pick them out from anyone. And yet when they flashed that badge, they represented the authority of the law that they, they were standing up for. And so they were very aware of things that I wasn't aware of. They were in tuned uh, to, to right and wrong, and they were in tuned to step into places that they had the authority to do so. I, on the other hand, was living under my, my own kingship, right? And as they stepped and flashed that badge, they had the authority to stop us and kind of reset what was happening in that moment. And I, w- I would think of it like this, that, that the kingdom ambassador might be in the same place as the world, might be in the world, might, might look like the world in some aspects, right? We're all human beings, right? We're, we're made in the image of God. And yet, for the kingdom ambassador, we should be individuals that, that represent kindness, like we don't add extra burden to authority in the way that we, we live and behave with one another and, and behave in our workplace and, and on our job and at home when we're working with children in the grocery store, that, that we surrender to the will of Christ. So much so that it, it just it exudes, that's the flavor, that's the aroma of what we bring when we step into a space that we are gentle and we're kind, we're we're not pushy and give me what I want and and willing to to kind of step on people to get it. We're we're not argumentative, we're polite. We use our words to sow life and not to sow death. And don't forget that, that you and I, we're here for a purpose, we're here to represent the king and his kingdom, and these are the good works that express that, that Paul is talking about in this text. Now, a little bit of a side jaunt here that is super important to, to understand. I wrote it down like this. Good works don't earn acceptance from God. They are the fruit of holiness. So what is not being said is, hey, uh, you know, God's a little bit mad at you, but if you do these good things, if you do what's right, uh, then, then he'll give you a thumbs up again. It's actually quite the opposite. You know, we have an apple tree in the back of our yard, and I've, I've never noticed that apples grow on other apples. I've always noticed that the apples grow on the tree. And the tree itself is planted in the ground and the tree itself has roots. And unless something is seriously wrong, apples come from an apple tree. Uh, An apple tree has roots. The fruit of that tree comes from the fact that that tree is planted securely in its roots and that is what is being produced. Matthew 12 verse 35 says it like this. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. In other words, you know the fruit, you can know the root. What, what Scripture is not saying is we need to do things to earn our acceptance from God. I love Dallas Willard and his quote. You may have, may have heard it like this. I love this, though. It says this, grace is not opposed to effort, it is, it is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. So we are to be reminded to do But we are not reminded to do so we can have grace by God. We are reminded to do because we have grace from God. We are reminded to do because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. This is the fruit of holiness. This is the fruit of a new heart, new desires, a change that comes only from the hand of God. And yet, it isn't something that we just set and do nothing. There's a call to step in and to be active, to be a participant. And when I bring my my flesh, when I bring my will and my desires and yield, there's something that the Spirit of God does to make that supernatural. So I do the natural with my effort. God does the supernatural, and it's because he has already paid the price for all things that, I, that, that my heart is broken. He's, he's given me the power of his spirit. That's the, the very power to step into this. So, as we kind of bring this all together in this place, we might ask the question, All right, if I'm a kingdom ambassador, this is the reminder that Paul is giving you and I how How is it that I, I actually live that way upon this earth? I want to give us three spaces that I think we can do this in, and I want to give you an encouragement. Sometimes it's pretty easy to think when it, when it comes to things that we do, uh, like Dave, I'm, I'm carrying this religious load, I'm carrying this discipline load, I'm carrying whatever this load is, and it feels like you're about ready to just put one more log on that load. Scripture would tell us that Jesus' words himself My burden is is light. My yoke is easy. Don't pick up something you're not intended to carry today. As we go through these things, I would encourage you to say, what is just the one next right thing that the Father would have you just move toward? Turn away from things that are not him and turn toward him in his power, in his spirit. So so don't go to that place of condemnation and oh, here we go again. I've missed it again. That's not what God has for you and I here this morning. The question being, How do we do these good works? I think the first way, point number one, is this recognize that you are a kingdom ambassador. Remember, Remember that you are a kingdom ambassador, that I am a kingdom ambassador. I represent my king. Now, it might seem like a simple statement, but, but we often forget when I remember, it requires a mindset shift. It requires me to think of what I, what I do, it, to, to, to think of the environments that I go in in a different way. So, a lot of interactivity this morning. Raise your hand if you would say, I have crazy family members. Anybody? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're probably the crazy family member. <clears throat> just, just being real here. <clears throat> so, Bethany and I joke all the time, my wife and I, uh, just, you know, family, everybody has kind of different dynamics, and, and I will say this, it kind of the pattern for years, uh, sometimes around Thanksgiving, sometimes visiting uh, family, uh, mostly on her side, sometimes on mine, uh, but we, the, the pattern would be like this, we would go visit a person in uh, in. Go to their house for the day, a family member, the kids would come, they would connect with cousins. Uh, Bethany would you know connect with those that are there, and so all the cousins are running around screaming being noisy and having a blast. Bethany and, and, and all the ladies are standing around. They're all talking at the exact same time. I don't know how that works, but they just love it, you know, and, uh, and inevitably, I will find myself sitting in a chair in a corner somewhere, uh, and there's just one or two other people that walk in the room, and, and usually conversations happen like this, so I'm just sitting, all right, great, everyone's having a good time, and, and, I'll, and, and someone will say to me, Dave, uh, did you know that uh, there's a tunnel underneath the White House and they take kids underneath there and like they they scare them and they take their blood and they put it on their face and it makes them younger. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I the only one left in this room... that has to respond to this. And like, Dave, did you know you can put an app on your phone and like you can find out what's happened? I don't, I don't want an app on my phone. Uh, and I usually end up spending a good amount of time engaging in that kind of conversation. It's been pretty significant throughout the years where I just kind of, I just gear up usually and say, you know what, I'm just going to take one for the team. Uh, I'm just, <coughs> let the kids have fun, let Bethany connect. And that's kind of been my pattern. So, Something's happened in kind of the last uh, last year or so where I've really gone hard after what my father says about me, uh, and in prayer, some of the things that have been um, just a, a really good reminder is, is just, I know God is this, but I also know that, that God has said this over me, that I'm a life giver, I'm a joy bringer, and I will always crash into the darkness with hope. That's part of my identity statement. And so our last Thanksgiving, uh, you know, I I was geared up. We made the trip over to the west side of the state. And I'm like, okay, I know there might be a few people. I can can do this. I can do this. And then the Lord kind of resets something in my heart. Dave, you're a life bringer, a joy maker, and you will always crash into the darkness with hope. That's who I am. That's who you are. I want you to go in that situation with that in mind. Not here we go again. I can do this. I can do this. Right? So, as I began to walk in the space and, and the typical happen, kids are off, running. Uh, you know, Bethany's hanging out with cousins and, you know, I sit down in the chair and sure enough, uh, you know, a, a conversation started that would normally go down a direction where I'm having to defend the fact that I love eyewatches, you know, something like that. Uh, and I thought, no, okay, what would, a, what would a person who is a life bringer, a joy maker and crashes into the darkness with hope, what would they say and do? And so as a question was posed to me, I responded in that way. And that led to another question, and I, I just began to say, well, what would a person who brings life and hope and joy in, in, in this place, what would that look like? And I began to respond that way. Mindset change, mindset, uh, mind, mindset shift, right? And this is, this is what I can honestly say at the end of this time uh, was one of the first times that I can remember in a long history of, of spending family time where the, the individual I was talking to, it, it became an incredibly encouraging conversation to both of us. And because this is as hard and difficult as what that can be, there's something that has to shift within us when we say, you know what? No, I am a kingdom ambassador. I could just set and endure and woe is me and, and you know, I'm just a, kind of a victim of the world around me. No, the spirit of God is in, we, it is in me and I represent him. I'm going to be light in the darkness. So, so the first area that how do we do these good works, we just recognize, we remember that we are an ambassador of the most high. The number two thing that I think is important as we want to step into this place is this. Rely fully on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to make a statement, and I'm just, I want to kind of let, let this marinate just a little bit. If you are a Christ follower, you've turned away from your sin that separates you and I from God. You've repented the grace to do so and, and, and turned toward God through Jesus Christ who made payment for that sin. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is true about you. You literally have the most powerful force in the universe living inside of you. Let that sink in for a minute. You and I have the most powerful force not only in this universe but the one who created the universe living inside of you. There is a space, there is a place where Jesus would say, I give this, this daily bread, even in the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread. When we look at <clears throat> communion and, and, and the idea that when you, when you eat and when you drink, remember me. As often as you're eating and drinking, there's this picture in Scripture that connecting with God, with connecting with our Father is literally the spiritual life source of every day. I wrote it down like this, though. We... We cannot sow seeds of death and experience a harvest of life. And just process in your own world for a minute, uh, even, even as I'm doing in mine, how often do we just struggle to just spend time with God? There's something innate that happens that when we get up in a day or when, we, when we, our head hits the pillow at the end of the day, whatever space that is, when we run to our Father and connect with our Father, the more we practice His presence and the more we, we practice His space, the more we begin to identify His voice, the more we begin to live in the power of His Spirit. Now, I want to ask this. I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand to this next question. If you would say, Dave, I have struggled at times to really have a consistent time every day with the Lord. Raise your hand if that's you. Keep your hands up. I want you to look around this room right now. With no condemnation, know this. You are not alone. I think the enemy of many places would love to just separate us from hearing the voice of our Father. and One of the biggest struggles of most every believer I know, maybe you're through a season and you've learned some rhythm and practices to really make that consistent, but you've had ups and downs. Maybe you're just saying, I, I, I don't remember when the last time I prayed. This is the number one way that you and I begin to connect with the Spirit of God is through consistently knowing and pursuing and hearing His voice. And we are setting in a community of people that would say, you know, sometimes I struggle with that. You have people around you would say, hey, this has worked for me. You have people around you that, that would be helpful to to just help you run after God as well. And this is one of the ways that we do this in community. You are not alone. And do you know that your father is not saying, it's about time when you get up this morning and read, right? He's not saying, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, what, what was happening? When you need me, you come. That's not the heart of our father. You know, the story of the prodigal son, which we don't have time to go in, the beautiful picture of that is as much uh, as the son really just did everything to, to really stand against what the father stood for. The father didn't just sit and wait, but the father ran after him. Your father never leaves. The spirit never leaves. This is actually about you and I being attentive to his voice. It always astounded me when, uh, you know, I watch parents and and particularly young mothers or or mothers, my wife did this as well, Uh, when our kids were younger, someone would would be screaming bloody murder in the yard and I'm ready to like go hurt someone and she, oh, they're fine, they're just playing. Like, how do you know? that's That's just the just playing scream, right? There's something about that intimately knowing the voice and this is where the, the Lord would have us be. We, we really spend time. How often in, in, in your day-to-day do we maybe listen to voices that are not our father? Do we maybe take in all sorts of things that, that maybe are, are things that would drive wedges between us, the ability to hear God's voice because we take in social media, and I, I've got to have that, that little like and that a click, or we take in all the different opinions that are out there that don't necessarily represent truth. We, we take in, I just want to veg, and I want to hit Netflix and just kind of tune out, and all the different things that I want to do. If we continue to feed ourselves only that, it would be uh, it really only reasonable to expect that we would have a difficult time hearing the voice of God and walking in in the power of the Spirit. I don't know where that is for you. One of the very, very practical things that my wife and I do is we, we've kind of started just really trying to protect one another's time. Now, for us, it, it seems to be in the morning. I, it, you could spend time with the Lord in a very intentional way, wherever that works in your rhythm. Uh, for me, I, you know, I spend time as, as much as I can. Typically, you know, just straight up honest, usually it's three to four days a week is, is what my rhythm has been. I strive for seven days a week, but there are times when that's just more than others. Um, and and usually it's time in prayer and it's time in personal worship and it's time reading his word and it's time just listening. And when we get up in the morning, Bethany is often in the basement and I'm a treehouse that I, I typically try to go around the basement so as to not interrupt her time and we're aware of that for one another. There's something about community and saying, hey, this is what I'm going after. Let's, let's do this together and helping one another. But, but the ability to be connected to the power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, it's critical. That as a, a kingdom ambassador who, who is a mature kingdom ambassador, is one who has a very rhythmical time alone with the Lord daily. You know, sometimes we, we look at one another and we kind of romanticize what that would be. Like, hey, my house is clean all the time, 20 minutes before company comes over just like yours. Like, right? Sometimes we look at other people and say, oh, like I'm, nobody else struggles. But as you looked around this room, right, this is a space that I've, I've had more conversations recently of, of, about just, this is just a common struggle, right? But together we can pursue him. He's, he's here. He's, his Holy Spirit's power is there to do so. Number three, as we begin to, uh, to kind of wind down here, how can we live out these good works? A kingdom ambassador lives in regular community with other Christ followers. We've talked about this a handful of times already. Titus 3, I love verse 13 and 14. See if you pick up on kind of some nuances here in regards to the relationship that's happening. It says, Do your best to speed Zinnius, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be fruitful there's this picture of, hey, Xenius uh, and Apollos, they're, they're, sent, they're going on their way, make sure they got lunch, give them some snacks, right, make sure they got everything they need, if they need extra clothes, hook them up, there's some very natural things that Paul is saying, don't forget, when you send them my way, support them, get in their life, know them in community, right, there's something that happens, they're not just by themselves and alone, and gee, I wonder what's happening with Apollos, there's an actual intimacy, I know that they have a journey planned, and, I, and I'm anticipating where their needs are, and so I'm going to I'm going to go help them. Paul is just reminding of that. And sometimes we hear, like, the, the, the horn of community blown again. And, okay, Dave, like, you don't know how people have hurt me. Like, you don't know how hard it is to be in community. Like, you don't, you don't know how difficult it is. And, I, you know, I, I would admit sometimes getting into relationship where, where people know some of the, the deepest things of you, where they can remind you of who the Father says they are, where they can help call out in love and kindness, truth, and, and the things that we just need challenged on. It's not easy. It's not. There are times when we just have to, to step through that door of easy, but I'll tell you this, it's always worth it. And hear this, if you're sitting here and you would say, you know, but there's just some wounds of trust and there's some people have hurt me and, and you know, there's just a, I, I need a distance for my own safety. When Jesus went to that cross and his blood was shed for my sin and your sin, his blood was also shed for the sins committed against you. There's power to let it go. And I would challenge us all here this morning that that there is a place of deep intimacy that we will never get outside of community. We could go on and on about that. God himself exists in three persons. Uh, In the creation, Jesus, it is not good for a man to be alone. We were intended to do this together. And even as we looked across this room, it's funny how we, we might think, well, nobody else struggles with what I struggle with. It's just not usually true. We need one another. Community is hard, but it's always worth it. We talked about some opportunities to get engaged in community and just some some very low bars where you can just come. Make sure to do that in one way or the other. If not, invite someone over. You got to eat food all the time, so next time you eat food, invite someone to eat food with you. You like watching movies? Next time, bring someone with you to watch a movie, whatever it is. You like being outside? You're going to go for a walk? Call someone up and invite them to go for a walk, and you can even tell them, Dave said, I need to get to know new people, and I know you don't know me, and it seems like weird, but we're all weird, so let's just get together and walk together, right? Whatever it takes. Final thought, don't forget who you are. Remember. 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 You know, there are times when it's, it's easier to sit on our own throne, to maybe drink from things that don't satisfy. I, I remember in, uh, in high school, I had a friend, we were sitting in the Meyer parking lot, and he talked me into eating a habanero pepper seed. <clears throat> so, if you know anything about me, like, I don't even do good with regular pepper. Like, I'm like, ooh, that's hot. Elliot, you know, Hanvey kind of makes fun of me all the time. So I, I chew this, and at first you're like, oh, whatever. You know, and then as it starts to kick in, you're about ready to lose your mind because nothing ever touched my tongue except for fire that was that hot. And so I'm, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm literally, I'm like, I'm trying to get water out of a puddle. And, try, you know, and, uh, and he ran into, I think it was a Little Caesars Pizza at that time, and comes out with a Coke. And uh, and so I'm I'm immediately drinking, and for like for a half a second it was cold and it felt better. But then right after it was so much worse, right? And and, and as I'm thinking, like how many times do we we run after what doesn't satisfy? like we're we've got to have like this right now. I've got I've got to not necessarily do things the way that God would call. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to I'm going to do it alone. I'm going to I you know, I'm not I don't have time. There's so many other things to, than to spend time with the Lord. Like there's just things that I I just can't do that. I'm going to do it this way and we find ourselves always 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 not being satisfied. Titus 3:8 This is a trustworthy the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And that word excellence means it's really the idea that these things will help you fulfill your purpose. Last statement, God's way is just better. It is. To be filled and satisfied is only found in him. And I just ask, invite you, if you just bow your heads with me this morning as we, as we come to a time of decision. And this is just for the purpose of, of just helping you lock into what God would be saying to you right now, just to help kind of uh, eliminate some distractions. Our first question would be, are you, are you in his kingdom? Could you say that, yeah, I've repented of my sin, I, I've trust in the fact that, that the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus that he went to that cross in my place and I've confessed my sin and I'm turning from my sin, I'm repenting and I'm placing my faith in what Jesus did on my behalf and I'm now running hard after God. If you've not done that here this morning or you're watching online or you're watching later, you know the Spirit is speaking to you right now and now is your moment to do that. Now is your moment and the grace is here and present to turn from your sin and turn to your creator, maker God through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that he will, as you repent, he will give you a new heart and and old things will will pass away. All things will become new. You can do that right now. Maybe you're here this morning and and you would say, yeah, I'm I'm in God's kingdom, but I don't know that I'm always living as a kingdom ambassador. My question would just be, as we started this time, what is just the next right step that God would ask you to do? And as we just listen to his voice, what is that space for you that you would say, yeah, I I need to step in. Maybe I just need a a better remembrance of who I am. Or I need to rely on the power of the Spirit and put rhythms and space uh, in place that help that. Or I need need to recognize that there's some places in community I'm just not living in. Whatever that next step would be for you, just take one step toward that. What would that look like? What would that action step look like? And even as our prayer team comes forward, I'm going to pray for us and close our time here today. And and if you've got that next right step in your heart and in your mind, we we want to help you. Come down. You can share that with us. Share it with somebody you know. If you've said, you know, I this is the first time that I, I need to make this decision. I need to repent and I need to be part of God's kingdom. We we want to help and walk alongside of you. So even as our prayer team comes forward and. Uh, I'm going to pray and close our time this morning. And when we're done, please come on down and receive prayer. Elders, prayer team, we would love to be able to pray with you this morning. Would you pray with me as we close? So, God, we, we acknowledge that your way is better than ours. And we just pray. I, I just ask, Lord, that, that your grace would be present. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give desires where there just hasn't been notable desires. I pray that you would work in hearts and ways that, that it is the fruit of a desire to want to spend daily time with you. <clears throat> Lord, that we live out of, out of desires to do that and, and not a religion that we should, but a want to that we will. Would you do that new? God, would you extend your saving grace today? Would you make all things new in our hearts? Would you allow us to recognize that we are your kingdom ambassadors, that we would be lights for you in this dark world? I pray for my friends as we live life together. God, would you spark new relationship that maybe hasn't been present in in deep community? And God, I pray it all in your name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. Please come down if you'd like prayer.